0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Chris Clayton, Chief Executive of the Engineering Construction Industry Training Board, the Skills, Standards and Qualifications Body for the Development of the Engineering construction, Construction Workforce of Great Britain. Chris, hello.
1: Hello, and Matthew, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast today.
0: Thank you for coming on. Uh, Now, normally, the show is entirely about leadership, but considering the ongoing situation, uh, we should start with COVID-19. How has this affected your organization?
1: Well, we are an organization that works with an industry which has been very badly impacted by COVID-19. And in fact, the low oil price, uh, which COVID-19 has exacerbated. So we've been working actually particularly hard during during this period to offer more support to the training and skills needs of the industry, but by delivering them in a different way than we've done so previously.
0: And what sort of form is that taking?
1: Much more moving to online blended learning, um, clearly, there's still been in, in what is a, an industry which provides vital support, support to the country. It effectively keeps the lights on, uh, keeps the water flowing, and the food on our plates. The engineering and construction industry has had to keep operating throughout the downturn in generating electricity uh, and, and power in the round as well. So. There is safety critical training and operationally vital training that's had to continue, but we've had to do it in a different way, uh, very much trying to uh, minimise the risk of infection and work with the government's guidelines on COVID-19.
0: Do you feel that those guidelines have been clear enough uh, for industries such as yours?
1: I think by and large they have been, yes. I, I think it's, it's been a really difficult problem to solve hasn't it? it it's been an evolving situation on what works and what doesn't i mean if you reflect back to the start of the crisis and the overwhelming need for ventilators and that wet, that as an issue then went away it's been quite difficult to always gauge what's worked and what hasn't but as the situation has evolved and we've got more and more understanding of it then that's enabled us to work more clearly with industry and provide better guidance and better skill support.
0: Has there been any difficulty as an organisation that works throughout the entirety of the country dealing with the changes uh, of uh, policy in uh, devolved nations?
1: Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question, and and it does bring differences. I think as an organisation, we're already attuned to working to different uh, governments and administrations. So how it's been managed in Scotland, how it's been managed in Wales is different to how it's been managed in England. Um, we we're alive to those, and actually my teams around the country are regionally based, so they're absolutely in tune with whichever administration they sit within. So that's enabled us to manage this work across those boundaries. But of course, the companies we work with and the training providers we work with also work across these boundaries and and it's working in concert with them and our mutual understanding of the differences that's been important.
0: Now, I always like to start the next segment by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you?
1: Well, I think for me, a leader is someone who inspires people to get the best out of them by providing that sense of purpose and direction to accomplish the aims of the organization.
0: And how would you describe your personal leadership style?
1: I like to work very much with people to understand their needs and see how they work with where we're going. A consensual style of leadership, I think, is really important. Uh, I've come. My background prior to this industry was also in aviation and in the military. But it and and different styles of leadership apply to different situations. But what is uh, an industry that I work in now, which is very safety critical? We work across energy generation, including nuclear and other areas, um, of people who are highly skilled uh, and generally very highly motivated to get the best work done it then uh works very well as a, as a as a style of leadership to work closely with people to to guide discuss coach and mentor uh, to get what you can the best you can out of them to achieve what you're trying to get i think having good judgment is really important as part of this and also having empathy uh with a flexible mindset But there are times when it's really important to have the metal and dry to get certain things delivered to succeed.
0: Now, of course, leadership uh, always is tested its most uh, when we come into conflict with one another. Um, Do you have any specific uh, methods of resolving conflict?
1: Um, No, I I don't have a specific method. I think it's very situationally dependent on what that conflict can be, whether it's a personal conflict, which is stopping someone to achieve something, or whether uh, it's a point of principle, or it's it's a conflict with another organisation and its aims and purposes. So I think um, you have to, again, it comes back to understanding the situation, having some empathy with both sides of the conflict, and then using your judgment to to drive a way forward and to find a way forward with everyone, so that you know at the end of it you're trying to leave people on both sides of of the conflict as as little bruised as possible, uh, and achieving that, and then you know ensures that you can move forward in a much more harmonious way at the end of it. So nothing specific, but I think you just have to adapt to whatever the conflict is. And the, and the drivers behind that conflict.
0: Now, if you could speak to yourself twenty years ago, what advice would you give yourself on leadership?
1: Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, twenty years ago, what advice would I, have? I? I think it probably would have been much more about how to listen to people. Um, that sitting back and thinking more deeply before coming to uh, a commitment. I think the one thing I've really learned is when to make a decision and the, the timing of decision-making is something that I think is still a learning area for me. And, uh, but it's very easy to make a decision too quickly or not make a decision at all. Right. Um, and the timing of the decision is crucial.
0: Now, of course, your background is in the services. Um, do you feel that the leadership styles that uh, one learns as a, as a member of the forces uh, would be helpful in the world of civilian business?
1: Absolutely, yes. I, I, I think there is a preconceived and a, a preconception of, of how the military runs for those who perhaps haven't served, which is doesn't meet reality. Uh, and I think uh, leadership in the military is something which is inculcated from the outset of someone's mm. career. It's not something that can be learned, you know, on a course in a few days. Uh, and I think we need to look at uh, how we develop leaders and develop leadership as opposed to managerial responsibility within All industry and how we can consistently provide people uh, the opportunities to do that. But I think there are so many read across, uh, so much read across between a military leadership in a military context and leadership in a civilian context.
0: Now, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for your organisation?
1: It's really exciting. I think the government's uh, recovery from COVID-19 is absolutely bang on with where our drive and our industry's drive is for the green agenda and achieving net zero carbon. So our focus is increasingly on developing those skills for net zero and looking at how all people who are coming out of some of the legacy energy producing areas and people who will no longer be able to sustain jobs in because of COVID-19, the impact it's had, and how do we transfer those skilled people into net zero and driving the green agenda? And I think there's there's so much to be done in that area. It's really exciting.
0: Well, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program today. I do hope we can have you back on when things get more normal. Uh, But for Mm -hmm. now, Chris, thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Matthew. It's been a real pleasure.
0: That was Chris Clayton, Chief Executive of the Engineering Construction Industry Training Board. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Andrew Strauss.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White. And today we're joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the ECB. Sir Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today. Real pleasure to be here. Thank you. The pleasure is all of ours. You know,
3: biggest sort of poison chalice of all time and that you know the <laughs> yes. sort of a litany of england captains had sort of been churned up by the job prior to me taking over so th- there was that sort of realization this is going to be a tough thing to do um and you're gonna have to dig pretty deep but i think actually the most important thing was sort of just pushing all that noise to one side and just clarifying okay if i'm going to do this job legacy and what we could do to make something positive come out of you know, this experience we'd all been through. And so after she died in December uh, 2018, uh, I came back and launched a foundation with two f- focuses. Number one, to fund research into these rare forms of lung cancer. These mm. are the non-smoking lung cancers. Um, five to 7,000 people each year in this country are diagnosed with these.